excited for this new series. If uh, you haven't caught on yet what it's all about, this new series is called The Father's Heart. The Father's Heart. And we're going to be talking about, during this season, we were just at uh, Target yesterday and getting Valentine's for my daughter to take to a class, you know, because that's the thing to do. It's like Christmas isn't even over yet, and we're already talking about Valentine's Day. I think they have Valentine's Day stuff up on before New Year's Day sometimes, right? So crazy, right? But I think that during this season, and really in culture in general, we just have sometimes a twisted idea of what love is and what really it does mean to be loved, or what does it really mean that the Father loves us. And so we're going to be walking through over the next few weeks, really asking this question, what is the Father's heart? What is his heart for us, and how do we know what makes God the Father tick? And I know for some of us in the room, the whole idea of God being Father may be tough for you because you didn't grow up where a Father and His love was something that actually translates well to you. And I understand that. I want to be sensitive to that. But I also want to speak something to you right now. The reality is regardless of how your earthly father maybe was successful in their relationship with you or if they failed you, there is a perfect Father in heaven who loves you and who wants to be the dad that you will run to every single moment. That's the good news that we have. And we're going to talk about that, Father. And the way we're about to do it is we're going to actually go through these Old Testament books that sometimes, maybe, maybe you've never even read them before. They're called the Minor Prophets. There's 12 of them. We're not going to go through all of them as we make our way through this series. But we're going to cover a few of them. And those Minor Prophets aren't minor because they're not, like, good. Or, like, they're, you know... Isaiah is the real prophet, and these guys are just the second best, right? That's not what it means. What it is is they're short books. They're short books, and we mostly think about these books through the lens of judgment, because there's a lot of prophecy in them. It's judgment that's God bringing judgment or God threatening to bring judgment. But in all of these books, what we do also see, and what we're going to look at over these next few weeks, is that with God, as he brings this message through his prophets, he's revealing his heart. He's revealing to us what matters to him, and through that, I believe, is an invitation that we're going to step into this morning. So this morning, we're going to be in the first minor prophet we're going to talk about this morning is the prophet Hosea. Hosea. So it's going to be at the end of your Old Testament. Hosea, if you want to turn there, go right to chapter 1, verse 1, and uh, or pull it up on your phone, Hosea 1, 1. And as you go there and as we get ready to do this, can we pray? Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning, and we recognize you are a good Father. You're a loving Father. Your grace is unending. And as a good Father, you want to call us to yourself, and sometimes that means that you want to bring correction. And so, Lord, as we enter into this series, as we enter into your word this morning, I would just ask that you would... Just take the distractions out of the room, the distractions in our, our minds and our hearts, Lord, that we would be open to what you want to say. Father, I would be, I'd be wrong to assume that I'm going to be able to represent your heart perfectly, but I would just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help me, that I don't say anything outside of your will, and that you would speak through me, and that through the preaching of your word, that you would reveal your heart to everyone in this room this morning. We love you, Lord. We give this time to you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So this, this uh, 
the sermon this morning, if this is not your first, or this is not your first time, it's going to be a little bit different than I usually preach because what we're going to do this morning, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm really going to just tell you a story. We're going to, there is going to be scripture and we're going to go through the scripture and the story of Hosea, but how can I possibly cover a book that's 14 chapters in one sermon? Buckle up. Here we go, right? But it's going to be through a story and I'm going to tell you the story that we're about to enter into. So I'm going to be relying a little bit on my notes more this morning than I usually do because God and I, when, we, when I sat down this week, it just, it just flowed right out and I wrote it out and I don't want to miss anything that I believe he wants us to hear this morning. But listen to the story of Hosea this morning. You see, the entire Bible is a story from Genesis to Revelation. It's a story. It explains God's rescue plan for all humanity. You see, because when God created the earth and then he created mankind and he put them into a garden, he was, their relationship with him was perfect. They were right. Everything was good. In fact, he said it was very good. And then our rebellion did something. Humanity rebelled against him and our relationship with God was severed. And from that point on, our relationship with him was severed. Our rebellion against him caused separation and it brought to all of us death. And that was never part of God's plan. And so he puts into action through a through a family, and then through a nation, and then finally through his very own son, and now through the church, he puts into action this plan to rescue and redeem the entire world. That is what the, what we call the Bible is all about. He wants to rescue people, and yet sometimes it's hard for us to believe that we are really worth rescuing, doesn't it? Sometimes, I don't know about you, if you think about your week this past week, there are times, if we're honest, we weren't really worth rescuing. We're not always the best people. We're not the people that you would think he would want to come and save. But this story, this story in Hosea, this story about Hosea and his wife Gomer is a story all about God's heart to rescue. It's not just a story in the Bible. It's humanity's story. It's our story. It's your story. The word Hosea, actually the name Hosea comes from the same Hebrew verb that we get the name Joshua and we get the name Jesus. It's the same word. It means to save. It means to deliver. It means to rescue. You see, in 750 to 722 BC, God called a man named Hosea in the northern country of Israel um, to prophesy to them and to bring a message to them. Now you need to understand, this is after the nation of Israel split into two nations, and it was at the pinnacle of Israel's um, prominence. They had prosperity, they had power, and they were questing for wealth, and they were making political alliances, and it caused Israel to do something. It caused them to adopt something that God never wanted them to do. They started to act more like the culture than the nation that God had called them to be. And what they started to do with that is they started to worship other gods and to follow the practices of their pagan neighbors. And so Hosea, a preacher, a prophet who lived at this time, was tasked with bringing a message to the people in a way that they never wanted to hear it. You see, the Israelites were more interested in worshiping idols than worshiping God. They were more interested in doing things they wanted to do rather than doing things he wanted them to do. And still Hosea was strong. He was a faithful servant. What we're about to read in this story is where Hosea has a, it's a really sad marital drama. 
And it's an illustration in this marriage that goes wrong of the relationship between God and his people, Israel. It's a relationship of what he calls spiritual adultery. In, a, in, in reality, it's a relationship about God and our propensity to sin. You see, being unfaithful to your spouse and committing adultery is just the same in God's eyes as being unfaithful to him and cheating on him, to use a phrase from our culture, with other gods. With wanting and resting and putting our trust in other things rather than him. Adultery is an act of unfaithfulness, and it's the exact warning made by God. And here's what God wanted them to understand. Because he knew this was going to happen. He told Israel this, even when the, in the book of Deuteronomy told them this. When you go into this new world, you're going to get to a place where you have everything. And then you're going to forget me. And then you're going to forsake me. And then you're going to run after other lovers. And he told them, don't do that. Don't fall into this problem. But they did. And this is where our story ends. And so one day, starting in chapter 1, verse 2, God told Hosea that his bachelor days were up. The problem with the wedding announcement, though, is it came with a dreadful prophecy. This is what Hosea was told. God said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman. That's a fun invitation, right? It's what every man dreams about. And have children with her. For like the adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Through this prophecy, God told Hosea that his wife would break his heart. From the beginning of their marriage. And and aware of Gomer's, that was her name, Gomer. Beautiful name. Name your next daughter after that. Gomer, because of the story, no child I think has ever been named Gomer, by the way. But anyway, aware of Gomer's promiscuous reputation, Hosea humbled himself in obedience to the Lord. And in their early days, their marriage thrived. The loving couple was pleased to announce the birth of their first son. God blessed their son, and God told Hosea, call him Jezreel. Call him Jezreel. This name in Hebrew actually means God will sow, like you're sowing, you're taking seed out, and you're sowing seed in a garden. It could also mean call him cast away. This is what he said. He said, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. And in that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. See, when that first son came, I bet you Hosea first thought that God has changed his mind. I mean, he had blessed him with a marriage. He had blessed him with a beautiful family. But God gave the name of the baby, and he knew at this moment, Hosea knew that this name had a prophetic prophetic significance that God was going to cast away Israel away from him he was going to break their bow that means that means to them that what they would have understood was that their military might their protection from other nations would be taken away the Assyrian empire was going to come in God would no longer hold them back and so how would you like to name your baby that And that'd be the message that came with it. But as a godly man, Hosea did what he was supposed to do. He kept on preaching. He kept on encouraging the wayward nation to turn their sin and trust in God. But something happened in the meantime. His marriage was falling apart. And Gomer, this promiscuous woman that God asked him to marry, she seemed less and less interested in him. Not too long after the birth of their first son, rumors started to swirl about whether or not Gomer was still being faithful to Hosea. While Hosea was faithfully preaching to people to repent, to turn, his beloved was going off with other men. 
And if Hosea had any hope that the children that she would bear would be his, God squelched all those hope by giving him the children's names. Gomer's second child was a girl. And God told him, call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. Don't name your child that either, right? The reason why is because he, tells, he told Hosea that I will no longer show love to Israel. You see, their relationship, him and Gomer's relationship is, a, is the same thing as God's relationship to Israel. I will no longer show love to Israel, that I, will, that I should forgive all of them, yet I will show love to Judah, the southern kingdom, and I will save them, not by bow or sword or battle or horses or horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. Once again saying, if they would just stay faithful to me, if they would just stay faithful to me, they wouldn't need military money. They would have everything they need from me. You see, the baby conceived by Gomer was conceived while she was looking for love someplace else. It was conceived by her when she was looking for love from someone else rather than the one she should be looking to, that is her husband. And through Hosea and Gomer's relationship and their daughter, God was telling Israel, and God is telling us today, folks, that, it's, that we're just like Gomer. And we're just like Israel, where we go and we seek for love someplace else. When we go and we try to fill our desires from somewhere else, to find it in someplace else other than Him. And here's the thing, we won't find love there. We won't find wholeness there. God was implying through Gomer's new baby that they, she would not enjoy her true father's love. But God also told Hosea to love his daughter. He told her to bring her in and to love her, because like God himself... Hosea should love the fatherless. But, you know, here's what happened. Before Gomer finished nursing unloved her daughter, she was immediately with another man. And she became pregnant almost immediately. And God appeared to Hosea and let him know it wasn't his child, you see. God said, call him Lo-Amai, which means not my people or just not mine. He said, that's your son's name, for you're not my people, and I am not your God. And then we move out of chapter 1 into chapter 2. And in chapter 2 is a father, Hosea's heartbroken plea, just like God's heartbroken plea to the nation of Israel through the eyes of Hosea, Hosea to come back to him. Hosea saying to his wife, Gober, come back to me, stop trying to find love and trying to find fulfillment and trying to find all the things that you need from this life from someone else. It's the cry of a heartbroken father, a betrayed husband, a bewildered preacher. It was all out in the open now. Everyone knew about Gomer's affairs, and Hosea tried to plead with her to come back. In Hosea 2.2, it tells us, rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I'm not her husband. And this is, his, this is his cry to her, let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. I understand this prophetic, poetic language is sometimes for us to understand, but this is what Hosea is saying. He's saying, come back to me. So he pleaded with her. He even did something else. He threatened to disinherit her, to kick her out. Verse 3 and 4 tells us, Hosea says this, Otherwise, I will strip her naked and I will make her as bare as the day she was born. That's a threat, isn't it? I will make her like a desert. I will turn her into a parched land and I will slay her with thirst. I will not show my love to her children because they are children of adultery. 
So first he begs her and then he threatens her. Like, if you go, I'm not going to take you back, right? And so, but still she runs off. Hosea still ran off with her lovers because they promised her lavishness. They promised her material things. They promised her all the things that we run away from God because we think we're going to find them in a place other than him. Look what Hosea Hosea says about Gomer in verse 5. Their mother has been unfaithful and she's conceived the children in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me food and water and wool and linen, my oil and my drink. These may not be the things that we run away from God for now. But there's things that we run away from. There's ways in which we run after other lovers because we think we're going to find it in them rather than him. Yes, their mother was promiscuous. He even tried to stop her on occasion. That's what Hosea did. He tried to stop Gomer from running away. In verse 6 it says, Therefore I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. But she continued to seek after other lovers. She continued to seek love elsewhere other than him. And he would hope that she would come out empty and then she would return to him. In verse 7 it says, So she will chase after her lovers but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. She will say, I will go back to my husband as first, for then I was better off than now. But here's what happened. She didn't do that. And so Hosea did something. He did something that would take a huge amount of love. Listen to me. Sometimes the greatest act of love is the act that God shows in this moment. The act that Hosea shows to Gomer in this moment. He decides he's going to cut her off. He decides, we're done. Go chase the lovers you want. We're done. You're not hurting me anymore. And so in verses 8 to 13 of chapter 2, if you want to read that later, it's God saying, you're cut off to the nation of Israel. It's Hosea saying to Gomer, you're cut off. We're done. And and Gomer left. She left for good this time. She found her true love according to her, and she was never coming back. Think about that. Those of you that have had to do this, you know the pain that comes with cutting off someone you love. How Hosea must have suffered. He loved her deeply, even though he knew her reputation before they were even married. He ached that she would choose a life that would bring her ruin rather than choose him. God feels the same way about us. His friends were probably saying to Hosea, good riddance to her, right? All his buddies were like, now you'll be through with her and her adulterous ways once and for all. But I don't think Hosea felt that way. He longed for her to come home, just like God longs for us to come home. And throughout Hosea, God identifies with a nation that's been adulterous to him. You see, the whole book This whole prophecy is all about God saying, I am going to punish you. I am going to cut you off, but I want you to return. I'm hoping that every act of discipline is for one purpose only, that you would find that where you are chasing after other things is empty and that you would find love only through me. You see, God's definition of spiritual adultery wasn't just limited to the activities that involved the pagan rituals and the sexual access 
the sexual excess of idol worship because that's what they would do. The the pagans would worship this other god. And what they believed was this god would bring them prosperity and they would actually have prostitutes at the temples and the men would go and sleep with the prostitutes believing that doing that at the temple would bring prosperity to their lives. But that wasn't God's only problem with her adultery, though that was adultery itself. His big problem was that their infidelity took multiple forms. We see throughout the book of Hosea multiple places where God has a problem with them. Problems that we have that maybe aren't the same as Gomer, but where we run away from God. God had a problem with them failing to acknowledge that God was the source of their prosperity and wealth. In chapter 2, ignoring or forgetting God. In chapter 13, he talks about that. If you're taking notes, you can write these down and check them. They forgot about God, you know, because of what he said. Things are going to get good, and when things get good, you'll forget about needing me. Abandoning God's law or any connection between him and routine of real life in chapter 4. Because that's easy, isn't it? Isn't it easy for us to worship God and to put our faith in him and trust in him, and yet we kind of compartmentalize, this is my church life, this is the rest of my life, this is my devotional life, this is the rest of my life, rather than understanding that it's a full life with him 24-7? Arrogance towards God, rebelling against his laws. He had a problem with that. And of course, he had a problem with their spiritual hypocrisy. You see, though Israel professed loyalty to God, sometimes they were just going through the motions. Though they said, I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. When they came to worship, they just went through the motions. They would just go through the motions with the religious rituals. They had no meaning. They had no substance. And God had a problem with that. At the root of the spiritual adultery was how they were unfaithful over and over again. You see, Gomer had prostituted herself for the empty love of other men. Israel prostituted herself for a lifestyle of self-gratification. Gomer's physical adultery was a picture of Israel's spiritual adultery. And it wasn't a pretty picture, folks. And yet it's not something that's all that different to us sometimes. But here's the thing. You can't miss this. Look at me. You can't miss this. Underneath all of this, this fourth category, is a picture of the Father's undying love who promises to take her back. You see, Hosea wanted Gomer to be rescued from her desires to seek love somewhere else rather than him. And he wanted her to be by his side. And he believed that God was great enough to do it. In chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, we see him say this. I'm going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and I will speak tenderly to her. I will give her back her vineyards. I will make the valley of Accor a door of hope for her. You see, the valley of Accor literally is translated valley of trouble. What Hosea was saying, what God was saying to the people was that, I want you to come back to me and I will take the pathway, that dark valley of where you're walking in, all of the trouble that you've walked into, and I will turn your valley of trouble into a door of hope if you would just come back to me. 
He goes on and he says, and in that day she will respond as in the days of her youth. And in that day she came up out of Egypt. And then in that day declares the Lord, you will call me husband. You will no longer call me my master. You see, my master could be translated in Hebrew, my Baal. He was saying, you'll come back to me. You'll call me husband rather than call me the name of that other God you've been worshiping, the God of Baal, that God of the earth, that God that promised that the crops would be good and the rain would come and that you would find hope and prosperity in that God because you would be, you prostituted yourself in worship to him. So he wanted her to come back. And so one day, as he's heartbroken, as he's cut her off, as he's waiting and crying for her to return, God comes. At first, Hosea receives a message, a whisper, that Gomer had been deserted from that lover. Remember that true love that she said she found? She'd been deserted from him, and either he sold her or she sold herself into slavery. She had nowhere else to go. She had nothing else to do. She had no way to take care of herself, no way to get food, no way to survive. And so she sold herself into slavery. She had hit rock bottom. And if you're like me or you're like probably like Hosea, you probably would have said she got what she deserved. But that's not the heart of the father. That's not the heart of our heavenly father because he appeared to Hosea and he told him do the unthinkable to my eyes. He said, go rescue her. Go get her. In verse 2 of chapter 3, he tells her, in verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, go. Show your love to your wife again. Though she's loved by another man as an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to her, turn to other gods and love sacred brazen cakes. Can I just add, that's the weirdest idea ever there. <laughs> Sorry to break your concentration, but this is one of the ways that they would worship Baal, is they would take raisin cakes to him and they would eat them in their worship of him. But it just seems so weird in that verse, doesn't it? But he tells him, go love her, go find her. And Hosea, you know, guys, especially, you know he would have cried. She's thrown my love away, God. She stepped on it time and time again. Why would I go and buy back what's already mine? Wouldn't you say that to God? I mean, Hosea was a faithful husband, and Gomer, she was an unfaithful wife. Hosea was loving. Gomer was unloving. Hosea had given everything to her, and Gomer took it all and abused it and threw away every last bit of his love. Why would I go take her? And yet he obeyed. He obeyed God. And in chapter 2, verse 2, we see this. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lefek of barley. And then I told her, you are to live with me many days and you must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any other man. You must be true to me. I am rescuing you so that you will be true to me and me alone. And I will promise you that I will behave the same way towards you. And in the next two verses, God does the same thing to Israel. He tells Israel, just like Hosea to Gomer, I am going to cut you off. You are going to get what you deserve. You are going to be attacked. You're going to be taken over. You are going to lose everything you have. But there is hope. 
One day I am going to send you a king. I am going to send you a Messiah. And that Messiah is going to do the same thing that Gomer did to, uh, Hosea did to Gomer. He is going to come and he is going to rescue you from slavery. He is going to buy you back and you will be with me forever. This is how he tells, us, tells them that in chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. For Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household. And afterwards, the Israelites, though, they will return and they will seek the Lord their God and David their king and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days they will come back to me and the rest of the book plays out much like these first three chapters these themes are over and over again Israel rebels they walk away from God they seek after other lovers and the father's heart is one of love and of mercy and his love is more powerful than Israel's choice to walk away and he calls them back if you want to study this book this week chapters 4 to 11 is a whole chapter of God telling them they're going to get what they deserve and then in chapters 12 to 14 is another block where he tells Israel that he's going to cut them off so they can get what they deserve but at the end of each section in chapter 11 and chapter 14 there are poems poems of hope poems of prophecy that say but if you turn back to me I will bring you back I will take you back the father's heart is one that will always bring you back that is what the picture of a loving father does in Hosea in Hosea we see time and time again throughout this book the father's heart and folks this is not just Hosea and Gomer's story and not just humanity's story as I said in the beginning it's my story it's our story we're faithless we're prone to wander we all look for love somewhere else other than him we chase after it and we like Gomer we're enslaved if we would admit it we are at one point, each and every one of us was enslaved to something that was broken. Enslaved to something that held us from his love. But here's the thing. Just like Hosea to Gomer, God bought us back. When we found ourselves in chains we never intended to be, chains of insecurity, chains of discontentment, chains of fear, God freed us when we by our very nature throw God's love away he redeems us anyway that is the message of the good news of Jesus Christ Paul writes in Romans that God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners Christ died for us it doesn't say God proved his love for us that when we got everything worked out and we got ourselves all fixed up that Christ died for us it doesn't say when we freed the chains and cut them off ourselves and we got ourselves in our best church clothes and walked into church and said everything's fine I'm great that God saves us no it says while we were still sinners while we were still adulterers while we were still broken while we were still chasing after death he changed everything by bringing life into the world First Peter, Peter tells us, for you know that you were redeemed, you were purchased, you were bought back from your empty way of life inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with what? With the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Gomer didn't deserve to be redeemed. 
Her behavior did not deserve mercy, and either did Israel's. God's faithfulness and their unfaithfulness is incredible. And what Gomer learned, and what we need to learn, and what Israel learned today, and I hope someone in this room needs to hear it. Listen to me. It is the Father's heart to rescue. That is the message of the book of Hosea. That's the message of the entire Bible. And I'm going to die up here. (coughs) There's nothing else. Here's the thing. (coughs) You and I don't deserve to be rescued. We didn't deserve to be redeemed. Why did he redeem you? Why did Jesus pay the ultimate price for your redemption? Why does God continue to give his unconditional love to people who continually throw it away? I'll never understand. But folks, it's not because we deserve it. It's because the heart of a father demands it. Do you understand? who he is at the core of who he is. God chose to love people. Hosea and Gomer isn't just a story, it's our story. Do you understand this? Do you understand that even when you're faithless, he's faithful? Do you understand that when you're enslaved, he will always buy you back? Do you understand that when you are lost, he will find you? Do you understand that when you're ashamed and your nakedness is exposed, he will cover you? When you wander off, do you know that he will come find you? He will leave the 99 to come after you, the one who is lost. Do you understand when you've given up on him, he hasn't ever started giving up on you? Do you understand that no matter where you are and no matter what you've done, God sees you for who you are and yet he wants to redeem you anyway? Do you understand that there is no, that too far gone is not a category for God? There is no place that you can go beyond his love and redemption. Throughout the story of Hosea, God comes and touches our arm and he says to us, come home. Stop walking away. Stop chasing after other things. My love will set you free. When you get tired of trying to be someone for everyone, tired of searching for joy, love, peace, prosperity, and other places, God says, I will be here, and I will draw you back to myself. Do you understand? That's the message of the whole Bible. Not just the book of Hosea, the whole Bible. That in a manger in Bethlehem, God entered the slave market of the world where all of us were putting ourselves up for auction and selling ourselves and trading our royalty in for a lesser life. And he said, I have come to pay the full price for your freedom. Because it's the Father's heart. He bought us back. It's his heart to redeem. And God's response is the same to you as it is to Israel. The same as Hosea's was to Gomer. I will heal your faithlessness. I will love you freely. I will love you. Listen, if you hear nothing else from me this morning, what we see in Hosea, what we look in the Father's heart is, it's the Father's heart to love. He wants to say to you this morning, you are valuable. You are valuable. You are worthy. You are a treasure. 
I put a rescue plan into motion before the foundation of the world for you. Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this. You are worth being rescued. I'm sure Hosea never forgot about the day that he was rescued. And he paid money to buy back Gomer. The day when he rescued her and restored her to himself. And I think he probably had this in mind when he prophesied and preached these words to Israel at the very end of the book. Verse 14, chapter 14, he writes this. Return, O Israel. Return to the Lord your God. For your sins have brought you down. So bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. Return to him. Ask him to forgive you. Tell him that you will praise him and you will be with him and you will enter into relationship with him. You will not cheat on him anymore and you will serve him alone. And the father promises in return. He says, I, then I will heal you of your faithlessness. My love will, have, will know no bounds. For my anger will be gone. Maybe today, maybe today is the day. Maybe today's the day that you understand, perhaps for the first time, that the Father's heart is the heart to redeem, to buy back. Maybe today will be the first time ever that you realize that the too far gone is not a category for God. What are you chasing after? Where are you cheating on him? What have you begun to believe is going to bring all that you wanted when in the end it's only going to bring you death? God promises he'll turn the valley of trouble, the place where you've got yourself, the place where you feel like you're at the end of yourself. He promises that that valley will be transformed into a doorway of hope and if you would just say yes to Jesus and what he did and step through it, the Father's arms are there to receive you. Because 2,000 years ago, the Son's arms stretched out and already paid the price. Already paid the full price to buy you back and redeem you. Father, thank you for your love. Your love, your heart, your heart to redeem, your heart to rescue. Lord, I would just ask that for those of us that are gathered in this place this morning that are that may be guilty, even though we follow you of worshiping you empty, of going through the motions, of seeking hope and, and seeking satisfaction and wealth and prosperity in other places and putting our trust in other things, of continuing to seek after love and fulfillment 
from other places than you, Lord. Holy Spirit, turn our hearts back to you. Turn us back to our Father who's willing to receive us. If you're here right now this morning and that's you and you just feel like you need to to pray a prayer of repentance, saying, Father, I, I confess my sins and I come back to you. I want to I start anew with you this morning. I just invite you to join me down here on the front. Lord, for some of us, this is the first time we've ever heard that there's not such thing as too far God, too far gone for God. This is the first time we've heard about a father whose plan from the beginning of time was to rescue and redeem us. And we want to put our trust in Jesus. We want to admit that we are sinners and we have chased after everything else that this life has given us. And we found it wanting. Maybe we even can admit this morning that we're enslaved to it. If that's you this morning, I'd invite you to come down and, and pray with me. That I would once again be able to tell you about Jesus. Tell you about his love. Tell you about the Lamb of God that came to earth 2,000 years ago and was slaughtered on a cross for you so that you would have life in his name. If you want to make that, that choice this morning for the first time, don't be afraid. There's nobody in this room who, who's going <clears> to <throat> judge you. No, in fact, every person in this room, including every single angel in heaven, will be rejoicing at you just putting your heart to your feet and coming down here. On the other side is new life. On the other side of that valley of trouble is hope. The Father's heart is here to receive you. Lord, we ask that you would move in this place that you would move in our lives and that the change that you would bring about because of your word today would bring glory to your name throughout the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name.